Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. On this gorgeous morning, beautiful Monday morning, April, what do we think? Is it the 6th? It could be the 6th. Let's look. It is the 6th. Monday, April 6th. And we have finally turned the corner into spring. Ah, and I'm sitting out here on the front porch. Mostly so I can keep an eye on Jackson. He's and the wren were having a bit of a standoff. I'm not sure the wren understands that it will lose. Ah. Oh, that sun feels so nice, and it's not windy. Oh. We had a pretty weekend, too. Um, Saturday wasn't quite as warm, but then yesterday was really nice. And yesterday evening, it was nice enough for me to have a cocktail on the patio for the first time, first of the season. And uh, I'm even warm enough, I'm going to take off my jacket. You don't have to come over here. That's not a... Not for you. Jackson's interested in what I'm doing. Says if he can't chase wrens, he's going to come mess with me. So I started to do the Instagram live, and I realized that it won't work because I have to have an internet connection. I guess I could take it off of the wireless. Hmm. That didn't occur to me when I was just now working. I was like, oh, I know I'm going to walk away from the wireless. I have such a habit of keeping my phone on the wireless, you know, that because um, I don't want to draw down data. Of course, now, right now with David not driving for Uber, we're like using no data at all. Should probably reduce our package for the time being. Well, anyway, maybe I'll try it again tomorrow morning because I did start to do it, and I think I know how I can be more coordinated about it because um, it would be fun to show you guys some things. Uh, so you'd be mostly looking at my face. And I am not exquisite like Jennifer Ely, <laughs> my inspiration. Uh, so, so Friday, yeah. I was more tired than I knew. Um, I appreciate the notes of reassurance from you all. Yes, I always do this. Um, I did not work on the Promised Queen at all on Friday, and it felt like such a blessed relief not to try to work on it. Um, you know, kind of that, you know, that relief like when you go on vacation or something and you know you don't have to go to work or... I, I hate to compare it that way because, you know, I do like this book and I love my job, but boy, did it feel good <laughs> not to work on that. I worked on some other things, um, got the secret project going. Um, so that's that's nice to have done. And, and then I, you know, I did not do a whole lot else. I... Red. I finished The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. I might talk more about that later. Um, Friday was a blustery day, but I I don't even remember what <laughs> what did I do with myself all day Friday. I don't know. Um, I know 
it's an interesting measure of how tired I was, was that I had some emails that had come in like starting Thursday or so. And, you know, I try to keep it in box zero and I've been pretty good about it. But a few of these had stacked up because I just felt like I didn't have the bandwidth to deal with them. I just, um, I would look at them and feel exhausted at the thought of trying to answer them. And yesterday I thought, okay, I need to get to inbox zero before Monday. So I went and did them, you know, and I got them done in like 10 minutes and, and it was fine. It was not hard at all to answer them. So, you know, that just sort of speaks to that mental exhaustion, that point that you hit where you just simply can't make decisions anymore. There's a school of thought that um, every time you make a decision, it takes energy from you, that you put energy in the direction of the thing that you decide. And if you make a lot of decisions, it starts to drain you because you're putting energy after energy after energy. And it occurred to me that uh, when David was talking to me, reminding me of that when I was like, I don't know why I'm so tired. And I was talking about the emails. And it occurred to me that writing a book is making decision after decision. So especially with when I was at the ending like that, where I was trying to decide, okay, how is this going to play out? So I am uh, substantially relieved to be refreshed again. Um, Saturday, I was reading some more, and then we went for a nice long walk in the afternoon. I talked to Grace on the phone. <laughs> That's the wren. Such a pretty song. Oh, you hung up, Jackson. But you're not going to go mess with that wren. <laughs> Jackson isn't interested in pretty songs. He's interested in fluttery birds. So, oh yeah, I talked to Grace on the phone for about an hour and a half. We had our... A regular mastermind meeting talked about plans and the industry and it's a it's like industry gossip is what we discuss and while we talked I got out my spring clothes I put away my winter clothes and got out the spring clothes so that was a very good activity what are you doing yeah this might be also the first cat wrangling podcast of the season That would be the other thing about trying to do Instagram Live at the same time. I think the cat wrangling would get a little chaotic. Come back. You're not going that way. <laughs> Thank you. Come on. Yeah. He's giving me the look like, but I want, want to go that way. <clears throat> and then David and I went for a long walk after I talked to Grace. We ate lunch, and then we went for a walk on the rail trail, which is... um. A really nice trail alongside the railroad tracks. Um, and it was just, it, it wasn't hot. Um, I think I ended up taking off my jacket at one point and putting it back on. 
So, you know, April, the perfect date, right? All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> I know it's we're not quite to that date yet. I always forget what it is. But, um, you know, it was just, it was felt immensely good to get out and walk. And we probably walked about four miles. And it was good to, uh, you know, we saw other people out. It was nice to say hello to people. Um, yeah. And then on Sunday, yesterday, did my blog post, dealt with those emails. And then I got out back in the secret garden and I worked on the grapevine project. So that climbing hydrangea, and I posted some photos of it to Instagram. I'll put some on Facebook, too, so you guys can see it there. Uh, maybe Twitter. People going by with their dogs, looking happy. Everybody's happy. It's warming up. Uh, that climbing hydrangea was there when we moved in 10 years ago. And it blooms. It's a very nice vine. I like it. But it's also very thick. And I was noticing at the end of last summer, I might have even been talking about it on the podcast, that there was a whole lot of dead wood inside of it. And also at the base of it is the pack rat nest. And my, my nemesis, my ancient nemesis. And I felt like last summer I really needed to clear out that vine and trim it back so that it's only the the new growth and not all of that old dead stuff inside so yesterday i went out back and i was going to rake out around the daffodils and i was looking at that vine and david commented that there was a lot of um that it was already leafing out and i was like well shoot if i was if i'm going to do this i have to do it now i probably should have i was thinking maybe should i have done it in fall i'm always uncertain of when i you know, spring or fall is better. But, you know, I don't like to cut things back in the fall because I think the plants need that, um, they need to resorb the nutrients from the, the leaves and the, you know, more distal stems, put them back in the roots to overwinter. So it probably was the right thing to do. But um, so I got in there and I dug out all of that old viney stuff i only the only old wood i left behind was enough to give structure to the new stuff and i ended up just pulling with my hands a lot of times i wore gloves but my arms are scraped all to hell i've got scratches all up and down my arms and on my belly because i was wearing just like a little jog bra top and shorts so and i'm also a little bit sunburned so i definitely worked myself over but I was going at it fairly carefully because I thought that there were bird nests in there. And I was worried, you know, because the birds have started nesting that, uh, you know, I didn't want to disturb any nests. But I never did find any bird nests. Instead, I found that the pack rat had just packed leaves and stuff all up in through there. It was just like a, a pack rat palace, multi-level palace. And the size of the nest at the bottom was just unreal. And so much choy, all those choya birds that the pack rat drags in to protect its nest. So it is now entirely cleared out, and it's a remarkable difference. I don't know if the photos do it justice. 
but it's going to be so nice. I can actually plant things in and around there. Uh, Packrat was busy last night and dragged back a whole bunch of the cotton and choya burr tangles to ring around its hole. I took a photo of that. I'll probably put that on the podcast. <laughs> so, but at least now I have a good baseline to start from. And I'm just going to rake it away every day. And we will see who wins, right? I Right now I have a huge pile of detritus of all that stuff that I raked out of there that I'm going to have to get rid of in some way. I haven't decided what to do. And yes, I did wear a mask as I dug all of that stuff out. So no Hanta virus. No worries there. How many viruses can we guard against at once? <laughs> so I was, um, yeah, happy to get that done. And then last night we had a Zoom happy hour with David's siblings uh, his older sister and older brother and their spouses got on Zoom with us. We have to try to see if we can get his younger sister in on it too. She tends not to reply to messages. But and it was really fun. We It was nice to see their faces and we all kind of talked and had our drinks. And so it was, um, you know, they're up in Wyoming. So it was and that was a good thing to do. We might just start doing that every Sunday evening, at least for a little while. Maybe see if we can get some of the uh, grandkids involved. So, yeah, it was a uh, definitely a good way to spend the weekend. And today I am going to start revising Promise Queen from the beginning. I also I read a little bit on Fiery Crown, figuring out what I needed to know there. And so now I'm going to uh, work from the beginning and uh, try to get that all, you know, my layering and revising done this week. And then add on those last few. I'm, I'm, I only have like 10,000 words to go. So I should be able to do those in the first couple days next week. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I very much enjoyed The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. But, there is a but. Uh, so, you know, let me say that unequivocally. I loved this book. I, I just um, just totally relished every moment of it. I think she's a, an amazing writer. But um, it bothers me that this is a standalone. I can I read some reviews of it, and I can understand people's frustrations with it because the world building is incredibly elaborate. And she has a huge cast of characters, and she clearly geeks out on naming. So she has not only made up first names for people, then she has the family names for people, and which are related to regional names, and then she also has tiers of titling and honorifics, which are all made-up names. And even by the end of the book, and, you know, and I read the book straight 
for several days, you know, so it wasn't like I had breaks in between. I was still sometimes not sure who people were because she would refer to them by like their first name instead of their honorific or something like that. And then I, and I, by the end of the book, when you're staying, saying, now wait, who is that again? <laughs> and there is a list of uh, characters and places and so forth at the front of the book, but not all of them were in there. Um, that was one thing, because I even had my Kindle so I could search for first instances of a word or name. And none of that is really a criticism, because I'm okay with that, except that it's a standalone, and I don't understand why you would go to so much trouble to build such a complicated world and cast of characters only to walk away from it at the end. And we always talk about that sometimes. First books in a new series or a new world are, you know, largely consumed with world building. And I know Orchid Throne is the case. You know, a lot of the early reviews of Fiery Crown is that it reads faster and smoother, and it's because so much of the world building has been established. <laughs> so, you know, I... She she's totally won me over to this world and to these characters and the Goblin Emperor and so forth. And now there's no more. And her next book, which you know she had some health issues, I guess, so she's just coming out with her next book this summer is totally different world, um, not related at all. So it's like, well, <laughs> why, why, Catherine? Why why would you you know? seduce me into this world and these characters and then not give me more <clears throat> and my other thing is is and i i feel like i talk about this a lot yet i keep seeing it happen everywhere over and over you know it's like when we build a fantasy world it does not have to be a patriarchal system we are not confined by this fairly narrow bit of history with primogenitor and you know these repressive european systems where women can't own property and they're really only good for marriage and that's what happens a lot in this book and there's thoughtful discussion about should women be able to do more than marry and but then they don't actually really get to do that and it's mostly the guys talking about it. The active, interesting characters are all male. And even though she had some really interesting female characters, they had barely any page time at all. I mean, they would kind of come and go. Even the, the Goblin Emperor's fiancé, who was an incredibly compelling character and one of the more interesting women in the book, um, she had... I, th I kept waiting for her to become a bigger part of the story as the book went on, and she just never was. So, I don't know. I feel like we need a some kind of motto about this. I was thinking about tweeting it. Maybe I will, you know, is that fantasy authors, let, let us discard this idea that we are somehow being historically accurate by having a patriarchal society in our fantasy novels. Um, first of all, it's a fantasy novel, so we get to make it up. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we are not recapitulating history here, and if we are recapitulating history, if we are trying to riff on a particular historical period, 
It doesn't have to be that one. Um, and the antithesis to we don't have to go to a matriarchal society either. You know, there are a lot of ways to structure society and gender. And let's let's take advantage of our imaginations, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, if you're maybe ask why you are writing only interesting things for male characters. There, there was even you know, like bringing in you know, like the first female sort of personal guard for the emperor, and that was cool. But it was also very late in the book, and she, you know, I, I loved having her there, and I wanted to see more of her. But you know, she barely had any page time in the book, and and now there's no more. So, so there's my my rant on this kind of thing. And now I am going to go work on my own book where I shall give my female characters interesting things to do and be happy with myself. <laughs> I hope you all had a good weekend. I hope you all are hanging in there, that you are uh, finding ways to replenish your own wells and uh, regenerate during this stressful time in our history. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Oh, uh, First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Podcast Network, and you'll find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You all take care. Bye-bye.